You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I'm joined by two brilliant guests. First of all, welcome back to the show, Metro Sports, Mike Stavrou. How you doing, sir? Hello, mate. I'm very well, thank you. Reaching that point of the uh, transfer window, we're just talking about off-air. Arsenal linked with anyone and everyone. Um <laughs> So uh, we're going to get Jonas's expert insight into a few of these La Liga players that uh, we're being linked with. Absolutely. Another day and another 1,296 players that Arsenal have been linked with. Yeah. Uh, well, let's also welcome to the show uh, La Liga expert and very, very good friend of the show, Jonas Yeva. Welcome back, mate. It's been a while. How you been? I've been good. Uh, thank you for having me back. Uh, I think since the last time I was on, you've actually managed to attain a Norwegian player in your squad at Arsenal. So that's uh, it's a nice upgrade, I suppose. Um, so yeah, Norwegians participating in every sense of the word in, uh, in terms of both discussing and giving things to discuss in relation to <laughs> Arsenal. Absolutely, of course. I think the last time we did speak was with regards to Martin Odegaard and what was happening with that and how that was progressing along the line. And lo and behold, he's an Arsenal player now on a permanent basis, which we're all delighted about given his performances. I'll give you an opportunity uh, to wax lyrical about Martin a little bit later on, because I'm sure <laughs> you'd, uh, you'd welcome that. Uh, but first of all, Jonas, we wanted to get your thoughts on, on some of the players that Arsenal are being linked with at the moment. Now, we know that Dusan Vlavic was the primary target in terms of a striker. We know that a deal has been agreed now between Juventus and Fiorentina that will see the player make that move. It's the move that he wants. It's the move he's always wanted by all accounts. So Arsenal have had to turn their attention elsewhere. And one of the players that we're being heavily linked with is Real Sociedad's Alexander Isak, um, a player who impressed a lot of people at the Euros. But it's fair to say, Jonas, hasn't had a great season this time around. No, he hasn't. Um, a little bit strange, actually, in, in relation to, to Alexander Isak, because he he's shown glimpses of his brilliance. But, I mean, if you look at Real Sociedad as a whole, I mean, they're not scoring a lot of goals, are they? I, I mean, I think they've had, in La Liga this season, I think they've scored, could it be 22 goals, something along those lines? Both the Basque sides, both Athletic and Real Sociedad have scored, a, you know, very few goals. And... Uh, I believe it's been Mikel Oyarzabal who scored the majority of those goals for Real Sociedad, and most of them have been penalties, or a lot of them have been penalties. So they're struggling to get goals. Um, Isak has been playing at times in a two up front, sometimes alone in a 4-3-3, uh, and I'm not sure that suits him all the time. He's very good at stretching the the, the opposition line. I mean, he's very good at, at dragging defenders along and, and isolating them one-on-one, -on -one. And, and sometimes he... He gets a little bit uh, out on the left or out on the right. So he, not, he doesn't exactly have the greatest of scoring opportunities. So um, not sure if they've been able to find the best role for him this season. And considering the fact that they have someone like Mikel Oyarzabal, who's 
so good in front of the box as well. So good at, at creating chances for himself. You have someone like, obviously, like David Silva, who needs a lot of space as well. I mean, he's not necessarily been that number nine that you, you that you kind of expect him to be in a team like uh, like Real Sociedad. But that, that's also to his credit. I mean, he's he's able to to do a lot of things. So I mean, uh, in in a way, you could kind of. If you want, if you want your headline, you could say that he's sort of the poor man's Karim Benzema, and that he can do a lot of things, and at times he's the one that has, has to sacrifice goals for for the greater good of his team. That's a great headline. I'm definitely writing that down. Definitely going to use it, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Um, the, the the price being talked about with somebody like Alexander Isak is obviously quite significant. Uh, we're talking about a, a rumored 90 million euro release clause. I mean, we don't know as much as as Jonas does about the player, but what's your mm. initial thoughts on the idea of Alexander Isak and bearing in mind the level of investment it would require to get him in the door? Yeah, so for me, I think when we were looking at strikers that we were being linked with earlier in the transfer window, obviously Vlavic was the, the standout guy. But although I thought that was a deal that maybe could have happened, especially on Fiorentina and, and Arsenal's end, because I think those were, well, Arsenal especially were pushing for it, I think, Fiorentina looked like looked like they were open to it at, at one stage. It was just the player obviously had um, had ambitions to go to Juve. Um, but when we're looking at sort of profiles of striker, Vlavic was very much a target man, very much the sort of guy that that is going to bang in the goals, but maybe won't add that much to the build-up play. Maybe he's not refined his sort of technical skills uh, on the ball. Maybe isn't that sort of player that could create chances for himself. And it's interesting to hear Jonas talk then. He's saying that Isak is a player that can create chances for himself. He's got, you know, a lot of a lot of tools to his game. Um, and I sort of think if if I'm looking at the sort of striker that would fit into Arsenal's system, that Isak might be more well equipped to that. Obviously the the thing is is that he's had a he, he's had a good season last season, but this season he's not really lived up to it. And it's the adaptation period from from coming from La Liga to to the Premier League, how long would that take? I think that would be my reservation. Um, but I just like to throw it back to to Jonas and just ask him. You know, you you, you spoke about his sort of skill set. If you look at him in in sort of like a in sort of like Mikel Arteta team where we play one striker centrally, and he sort of you know needs to do a little bit more in, in terms of dropping deep um and also and also goal scoring which is a quite quite a big role for a player like that do you think he could maybe is a sort of player that could fit into that sort of role i think in some aspects he'd fit better than than vlavic in terms of being able to link up the play i haven't seen vlavic as much as i've seen alexander isak but he's been extremely good at, at linking up play and also playing with this uh, with his back towards goal, I mean that's a, that's an underrated point of his game. Also, a, f a fact, uh, considering the fact that we did mention him earlier, he does have a great relation with with uh, Martin Odegaard. So obviously, those are players that are played together at, at Real Sociedad, and obviously they they shared an, an an off the field relationship as well. So if if he needs to to adapt, he'll have the perfect guy next to him in terms of someone who could uh, help usher him into the system. We've already seen how. Erdogan has been given a prominent role at, at Arsenal, so I would expect um, I wouldn't expect a great adaptation period for someone like Alexander Isak if they if they were to go and get him. But then again, I think uh, he's a player that, that that kind of fits a team more so than Vlaovic, who's, who's in my estimation seems to be someone who has had the whole team built around him. It's it's quite obvious that that Alexander Isak hasn't had the team built around him at Real Sociedad, nor has he demanded that because he's so able to. To fit to fit into other pieces, so I think that 
uh, if you're looking for more of a well-rounded player, someone who can do uh, a lot more in terms of build-up play, in terms of finishing, because he's a great finisher as well, don't get me wrong. But I think he's able to to adapt in, into something more than, than just being a number nine who's, who's chasing the goal. But then again, it all depends on what's being asked of him. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think looking at Alexander Isak, I think he'd be a, a good fit at Arsenal actually. Just a couple of things, Jonas. So first of all, the the price tag, right? The the minimum fee release clause apparently set at ninety million euros. Just to make it clear for our listeners, that doesn't mean that Arsenal have to pay ninety million euros. That means that's the figure that Real Sociedad would have no choice in accepting, basically, right? Yeah, in in Spanish law or work workman's law, I suppose it is. Everyone has a buyout clause, so that means that if you work uh, in a supermarket or the post office, you'll in theory have a buyout clause. This becomes a bigger thing with footballers, obviously, because there's more of a buy and trade thing in terms of football. So that's why whenever a player signs for a Spanish club under Spanish law, he has to have a a buyout clause, which um the player and the club usually agree on um i don't think it's there's ever been a, i mean I, i've heard about uh, agreements uh, or sort of disagreements rather uh, in in contract negotiations regarding buyout clauses but yeah i mean it's a high clause and that's sort of what real Sociedad has done probably in order to defend themselves against clubs such as arsenal and other clubs that might come in and, and want him because he's such a great talent so that is probably um that's probably the sum in which they'd say, okay, fine, we we would accept that regardless. But I, I'm I'm going to assume that they'd be able to to negotiate a fee lower. But when they, when they're looking at, I mean, if Vlaovic is going for 75 million euros, I mean, I I think Real Sociedad wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't budge unless there's a bit of, you know, somewhere between 60 and 70. I'd I'd imagine, anyways. What would you say to those Arsenal fans that are concerned? by the fact that his goal tally this this season has not been very impressive. He did prove last season, didn't he, that he can score goals with regularity. Does this feel like a blip rather than a reflection of what the player is actually like? wouldn't say it's a blip either. I mean, I'd say more so the, the fact that he's been able to to contribute to the team in other aspects. I mean, he, he's someone who doesn't always play as a number nine. He, he drifts out wide. He, he He's able to, to put in crosses. He's able to isolate opponents for other players to gain space. He, he's more of a, a team player than perhaps he's given credit for because strikers nowadays are judged on on goals and assists. I believe Karim Benzema had a brilliant view in France football in this and that we focus a lot on goals and assists in, in, in our estimation of players. And and Alexander Isak might 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 fall victim to that this season. But I mean, if again, if you look at, uh, at previous seasons and how he's done, for example, for the Swedish national team, I, I think he, he's proven without a shadow of a doubt that he's able to do that. But he's just not been asked to do that all the time, it seems. So I think we're looking at a striker who's able to do a lot of different things and should be be judged more upon that more so than just upon goals and assists. Brilliant stuff. Let's move on to Luka Jovic, another player that Arsenal have been rumoured to be interested in, another one in the long list. Uh, and apparently with regards to Luka Jovic, this would be uh, an, a loan deal that would see him come to the club. Um, what's your take on Luka Jovic? Because he really did pull up trees in the Bundesliga, got this move but at Real Madrid, it's fair to say it hasn't always worked out. Too big of a stage. Um, I think it's just a stage that's been too big for him. And he doesn't, at times, doesn't seem that he's taken it seriously either. You know, it's it's a really weird situation with Luka Jovic because it's been like every other week he's been out with COVID. Every other week he's been out with something off the field. Every other week there's been some sort of controversy with him. 
whenever he's given a chance, I mean, he, he he's not grabbed that chance. And, um, and not for nothing. I mean, he plays second fiddle to Karim Benzema. It, it's it's difficult to do that, and I, and I understand. But but he seems like a player who needs, I suppose, to have that uh, that feeling with the manager. You know that that he's been given that undivided attention and undivided love, uh, and that's difficult at a club like like Real Madrid. And you've seen that also with. I go back to him, but I mean Martin Erdogan as well. You, you've seen that when he's when he's playing and he's been given chance after chance after chance after chance with Mikel Arteta. Of course, he was he was going to to break through and become an influential player. Um, I think that there's a little bit of a difference uh, with Luka Jovic and, and Martin Erdogan and that Luka Jovic just doesn't seem to be set. He just doesn't seem to be content with anything or or th- that he's given. So I, I'm not sure if he's a player that would be more of um, of a big figure. I mean, he's, he seems to have a big ego, I suppose. Um, and I'm and I'm not sure if that would fit in that well with with Arsenal, considering the fact that they already have a. A striker who has a big ego who who they're trying to offload. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Lukiovic is, is a good fit. But then again, we haven't seen that much of him, so it's it's difficult to sort of even even now even still the judge the judge judgment is still out on him because we've no you know there, there's been no long long list of games to to look upon. And whenever he's given a chance, he's basically flunked it most times. Yeah, and, and Mike, I'll throw this to you. You know, Jonas makes a great point. You know, we, we look at all the issues that Mikel Arteta has had with, let's say, that type of character. Um, mm. When you hear that from Jonas, does it cause concern for you with regards to how well he would fit in at Arsenal? Yeah, there's definitely a load of red flags from what from what Jonas was saying because I think what Arteta has tried to do from day one is just, um, you know, bring in his, his sort of, you know, basically what he wants everyone to, to, to follow his own rule book. Um, and when, when players haven't lived up to that, you know, you've got your Mato Guendouzi's, uh, Aubameyang, they're, they're out essentially. So that's the last thing you sort of want is to, is to, is to upset or potentially upset a dressing room, when, especially when it is going so well and they're sort of all, all singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, but I think sometimes it is worth a risk. I mean, Obviously, Jovic, if he did come to Arsenal for on loan, I reckon he would get the chance. And I reckon Arteta would be the kind of manager I'd say, look, we've got you here for a few months. I'm going to put the arm around you and and give you the sort of support that you need. This is your opportunity to to show Real Madrid fans, to show fans of football around the world what you can do. And it's, and, and it's up to you. I, I don't know if it would make sense for him to come here and sulk and really not give it his 100% because ultimately he, he could be quite happy to stay at, at Real Madrid and not really play and just sort of get for it because I'm, I'm sure he's on a pretty healthy wage over there. Um, so really it's, it's, it's down to the player and, and down to what he wants and us really, we, we just need it to work for us in, in terms of um, in terms of getting us through and to the end of the season, we need someone um, who's going to basically fill in for Lacazette who's not really scoring the goals at the moment and try and fire us into the top four. So if Jovic has has the capabilities to do that, and judging by previous seasons, you know, Frankfurt. Uh, you mentioned Harry the season before he joined uh, Real Madrid. Yeah, played an absolute blinder that season. If he can sort of replicate that, uh, given the opportunity to do so, then it, it might be worth a risk. But we we'll have to see. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and and the, I guess the the plus side of this potential deal from an Arsenal perspective is that it means we get somebody in to help out. And if it is a loan deal, we're not committing huge amounts of money and then wanting to to change that player up top 
three, six months down the line. It's it's a short term fix. Uh, Jonas, just before I let you go, mate, because I know you're pushed for time. Uh, one final player that Arsenal uh, are being talked about with regards to a potential transfer is Espanyol's Raul de Tomas. Um, <laughs> not a player that's been on people's radar for a while. He's He's kind of burst onto the scene. Tell us a little bit about him. Burst onto the scene. I mean, he's he's been a player who's sort of performed for uh, lesser clubs, I suppose. Um, he was fantastic at Rai Vallecano a couple of years ago, and he sort of had a. I mean, he, he was somewhat decent, I suppose, at Benfica, and then he's always been sort of attached to Real Madrid. Um, once he's gone to to Espanol, he's sort of been able to become his own his own master, I suppose. I mean, he's. He's a guy who's, who seems very flamboyant in a way because, for example, he plays with the shirt name RDT. Uh, so, I mean, it, he, he kind of lends credence to what sort of character he is. Uh, but he's a hitman. He's, he's an absolute uh, revolver man in front of the goal. I mean, he's, he's fantastic to watch. He's, um, he's more so of an of a old-school number nine, but then again, he's also able to sort of drift out of wide. You, you saw him especially for the Spanish national team in which he kind of played a, a hybrid role of being... Uh, an inside attacker in number nine at the same time, but he's he's someone who who will be lurking in and around the box at all times and sort of be on the on the shoulder of the last defender. He's, uh, I mean, he's he, he is really a character when you look at him with, with his slick hair and tan, and his, he used to have a small mustache as well. So he used to look like one of those uh, Western villains that you used to watch in in old Western movies. I mean, he's. He's such a character, and and at the same time, he also talks about he, he loves meditation and all that sort of stuff. So he's. He is something else, and he is something else also on the pitch. I mean, he's, he's lethal with his left foot, right foot, uh, headers. I mean, he, he doesn't take that many touches on the ball inside the box. He kind of tries to bang him in. But, uh, I mean, he's a, he is an absolute rifleman in front of the goal. Interesting stuff. I, when I talk about this guy, or when I hear people talk about this guy, or when I think of the potential of him coming to Arsenal, I get massive Lucas Perez vibes. That's what I kind of think. My, <laughs> that's where my mind goes. You know, playing for a La Liga side that maybe aren't as fashionable as some of the big ones and a, a potential transfer. But yeah, not 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 sure. But that's based on not seeing him a lot. I I, I see the comparison, but I, I'd say that, that Raul Tomas is a bit more complete in the way he plays. He's, he's, a, he's a good link up attacker as well in some aspects, even though I, I sort of view him more as a, as a classic number nine. If you look at I mean, if you look at the, the standings, the, the top score standings in, in La Liga, and if I'm if I'm correct, Benzema is number one. And then you have three players, I believe, who shares the second spot with 12 goals, uh, which is Vinicius Jr., obviously, who's been fantastic this season. It's Juanmi, who plays for, for Betis. And it's Raul Tomas. And the only player who was in the lower part of the or of the of the league, I mean, under under the 10th spot, is Raul Tomas, because I believe Espanyol are 12th or 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Whereas everyone else, I mean, Real Madrid and Real Betis are both in Champions League spots. So that sort of tells you that he's able to perform for teams that are not necessarily performing as well as they perhaps should. Um, not to say that Arsenal aren't doing that, but I, I think that if he plays for a team that's even better with, with better players around him, you know, lo and behold, he might perform even better. I mean, he might crumble under the pressure as well. But then again, he's sort of a player who's who's he's he's been around the block a couple of times now. I mean, he's been at Rayo, he's been at Benfica, he's been at Espanyol. He used to be at, at Real Madrid as well. I mean, he is a he's a player that you sort of expect would deliver if he, if it was given a, a chance at a bigger club. And I, and I think I was always thinking, you know, the next tier in Spain for him would have been the likes of Sevilla, 
And I don't think there's that much difference in, in level at the moment between Sevilla and Arsenal. So that might also be a, a pretty interesting move for him if he was to, to be given that. Yeah, great points. Great points indeed. Um, Jonas, thank you so much, mate. Uh, I know you've got a dash, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for your expert insight. It's always a pleasure. Let people know how they can follow you and keep up to date with the great work that you do. I've done everyone a favor because every time I try to spell out my username on Twitter, it's usually quite difficult. So I've written it under uh, under my <laughs> name. So it's it's Che Yavara on on Twitter. And uh, I mean, my my work is primarily there. I primarily tweet in English about uh, about La Liga, and I also have a podcast about La Liga in Norwegian. And I'm expecting no one to listen to that uh, except the, perhaps the Norwegian contingency uh, who might be watching this. So yeah, follow me on. Uh, on Twitter and perhaps enjoy some of my fine, fine work, I suppose. <laughs> Make sure you do. Make sure you check out Jonas on social media and keep up to date with all his great work. Jonas, thank you so much, mate. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Cheers. That was the brilliant Jonas Yeva. Lots of great insight there. Uh, always great to hear from Jonas on all things Spanish football. Uh, let's uh, just quickly dive into the comments section. i got to pick up this uh, super chat. Uh, from Wayne, who says, um, Harry, where did you get that cap? I've been looking for one just like that for a while and I can't find it. I got it from the Arsenal shop. I got it from the Armoury. I got it in black. I got it in blue and I got it in grey as well. So you wow. can find them in there. Yeah, I, I went big. You know what it's for, Mike? It's for the bad headaches. It's for those days where um, you you can't be bothered to sort your hair out, but you got yeah. to do a live stream. That's what it's all yeah. about. But thank you, Wayne, uh, for that kind Super Chat donation, mate. Very, very much appreciated in there. And uh, yeah, if you're not going to get to the Arsenal shop anytime soon, let me know and we'll sort something out. Um, right, Mike, some great insight from Jonas on mm. those players. Um, let's rewind and go back to the Vlavic stuff. I, I didn't want to use Jonas's time on that because his expertise are in the Liga and it was important to me that we got that sort of download but let's let's take a step back and go to the Vlavic thing because it felt like uh, there was a possibility Arsenal could get this deal done although in fairness there were noises coming out of Italy from quite early on in the window that his preference was Juventus so we mm. can't be surprised can we that it's worked out the way it has um I am surprised as you know I am surprised I mean if the if the reports are to be believed and um, we were really going after this guy. He was our top target. Um, you know, we were willing to put up a lot of money for him. We we liked the profile. We liked the, the player. We liked what he's been doing. I would have thought that the club would have, you know, maybe reached out to his representatives to, you know, informally, obviously, to get sort of taste of, of where his head was at before they started going and uh and really trying to get him because it, it like it sounds like nothing that i read that i can remember ever gave me the indication that vlavic wanted to come to arsenal i never sort of read an, an article that said you know vlavic is keen on the move or vlavic would be open to the move or i never got that vibe um it was a lot of people were saying from the very beginning he wants to play for a champions league club and given where we are at the moment there's no absolutely no guarantee that we will be getting into the champions league so in a, in a sense, I'm I'm sort of surprised at at the sort of reports that that came out because it was like we were chasing this guy a lot, but was it ever really on the cards? Because at the end of the day, if you can't convince the the player while he's under contract, then you've got 
you've got no leg to stand on. The, the way it works is the player obviously has to push for the move while while he's still under contract, and then and then then the club will sort of sanction it. And just the way that Fiorentina were coming out and talking about it and saying, you know, there's there's been no contact between the representatives. Um, you know, we've we've had interest from from clubs abroad, but there's there's no movement essentially. It's like they were throwing they they were throwing it to them to sort of push them into action, which is actually quite strange and and unusual to see. Um, but obviously, it all makes sense now. He looks like he's going to go to Juventus. Probably the move that he wanted. Um, and to me, I'm sort of like, if he didn't want to come, well, maybe we've we've dodged a bullet in a sense because you don't you don't want a player that's sort of settling, do you? Yeah, I completely agree. It's 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 a weird one as well. That's what I'm not surprised that he's chosen Juventus because of that Serie A connection. I think that he's still young enough to to remain in the Serie A and continue developing. Uh, it's a league that he knows. It's a league that he's proven in. And changing to go to the Premier League is obviously, um, you know, it's a big change and it's one that it would represent some risk for the player. Hmm. What I do find strange, though, is like you said, like I find it hard to believe that Arsenal went as far as making an official bid for the player without feeling out what Vlavic or his representatives were thinking. Yeah. Because although the proper way to do business is to go contact the club formally, submit your offer, get your response to that. And if you're given permission to proceed, you then speak with the player. That's the real, the right way to do it, right? But we know that's not how it works. We know that people have informal conversations all the time. And uh, the thing I that, that kind of allowed me to get sucked into this idea that we might actually pull this off was the fact that we'd supposedly made this offer, that mm. there was confirmation that this offer had been made, at least from Fiorentina's end. Um, yet, apparently, we, you know, we'd not heard from the player. It, it just sounded weird to me. Yeah, yeah. That's what, and this, this is what I'm talking about. I, th I think it's strange that you wouldn't have sort of sounded that out before you went in and and made this guy your your top target um and it just seems like at at this current time it just seems like there's there's not enough time left between now and the end of the window i mean there's literally less than a week for us to get that marquee striker in which is why i think you've been hearing noises about um the alternatives and about the um about the loan deals and sort of ones that are, are coming out of nowhere because ultimately we wanted that striker to help push us towards fourth um, but when you don't get your top target, do you then sort of settle and go for someone that, that, that wasn't top or would it be viewed as like they had a top three targets and they wanted all of them, uh, maybe two slightly less than, than the first, but still acceptable. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like if, if we're talking about ESAC, like that sort of money, is that the sort of deal that, that you rush into in the January transfer window? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Difficult one, difficult one to make sense of. Um, let's let's circle back to to the insight, the brilliant insight that Jonas uh, brought us at the beginning of the show. Um, based on what Jonas has had to say, Luka Jovic, Alexander Isak, Raul de Tomas, mm. who are you kind of leaning towards as your preferred option? Well, yeah, I mean, even before that, when when I was when I was saying to Jonas as well, when I sort of looked into it in the sort of profile of the striker and the striker that I think that we need, I, I always did lean towards Isak a little bit more than Vlavic. I just thought that with what Arteta wants from his centre forward and what what Lacazette has been doing this entire time, what, that he's been playing as number nine, 
is really you know even even more so focused on on build up play and and linking up play it's really and, specific and, and hold up play it's, it's really so specific. specific to the point where like he's not he's not scoring you know is is it because Lacazette is not the most clinical finisher or is it because of the the role that he's been given there's so much build up play i think like it's more than that than him actually being in the box so if you're asking someone like like Vlavic to, to do that he probably could like in time but as as Jonas was saying he's it sort of seems like Fiorentina the the team is built built around him because he is the star man he, he he's the guy that gets all the goals but at Arsenal, I don't really think that will be the case. I think we are very much a sort of system-based team that if you play in this position, you fulfil this role. And if you can't, you don't really play. And I feel like that's why that's why Bamiang, before the sort of captaincy debacle, why he was playing on and off. Like he, he wasn't playing every single game in a row because maybe Arteta didn't feel like he had the sort of credentials and skill set to, to fulfil the role that he wanted. Maybe he was doing it as a a sort of short-term option until we got the striker and they won it. But just looking at the sort of profiles, I feel like Isak, from what Jonas was saying, fits that a lot better. He was saying that he can sort of drift out wide, which is which is what we sort of see our, our strikers do sometimes. He's saying that he's great at link-up play, great at hold-up play, and also a great finisher. So if you're sort of picking a striker that can do what Lacazette can do, but adding the finishing ability, it sounds like you're onto a winner. Yeah, and I think that's a great point that you make uh, about Aubameyang and the fact that the specificity, specificity, it's it. fucking dead all the way there, <laughs> of that, <laughs> I've had a mayor there, of of that role, it just doesn't suit him, and 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 perhaps, and and maybe I'm just painting this in a positive way so that we don't feel too down and 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 sort of beaten up about it. Maybe we've dodged a little bit of a bullet with Lavic. Maybe it wasn't the right fit. Um, it, it always felt like. It always felt a little bit uneasy at the fact the fact that we were supposedly so interested and we were never getting anything back. That always mm. felt a little bit uneasy for me. And, and obviously it's gone now and we need to turn our attentions elsewhere. Um, we're going to take a short pause for those of you listening on the audio platforms for a quick message with regards to our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Welcome back to part two of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to be joined by Metro Sports' Mike Stavrou. Um, Mike, let's move on a little bit from transfer targets from the players that we've been discussing. Mikel Arteta spotted in the States with the Cronkies, which mm. in a game of hockey. Lots of talk in the last couple of weeks about him potentially signing a new contract. Lots of talk about what Arsenal need to do in the transfer market. What do you think the purpose of Mikel Arteta's visit to the States was ahead of the trip to Dubai? Do you think you're just a big hockey fan, Harry? Highly doubt it. <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it sent social media into a bit of a spin, as it as it usually does. Um, I, I don't know. It, it was interesting for me to see because I don't think there's been like much contact between especially Stan and, and Arteta that we've seen anyway. We, we know that that um, Josh has obviously got a lot more, Josh Conkey has got a lot more involved in in the sort of organisation of things and in his director role. Um, but to see them two together was was a little bit strange. Um, what they were discussing, I mean, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, with it being so close to the, to the transfer window and judging by what Arteta has been sort of talking about 
in recent weeks about you know us being short on on certain options in, in midfield specifically um him saying the other day that deals are, have been complicated you've got to think that he's bringing up transfers like you you have to think that he's saying look stan look mate like he's probably not calling him mate he might not like that too much <laughs> um, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> but he's probably saying look um this the, the squad i have taken it not as far as i can but i have done my absolute best with this squad um it's light on areas and if you want to take this club back in into the champions league and this is a good opportunity to do so because you've got teams around you that if you've got new managers are inconsistent um or you know have similar or slash worse squads to you um talking about west ham specifically there but um this is a fine opportunity well, one that you don't really get because the top four has been so competitive in recent seasons. We've not been anywhere near it. Um, this is this is the chance. You have to think that he's saying to him, you know, back me here and I can deliver you top four. Because if we finish outside the, the top four, even though I think we agreed at the beginning of the season, top six was fine. When the opportunity comes about, you have to really, really take it. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, it'll be interesting to see. This is the the kind of um, the, the discussion that I've had a lot over the last few days, because for me, Mike, your objective is your objective at the start of the season. And yes, you can adjust that, but it doesn't, it, you know, depending on what other teams do, which I believe is the reason we're in the hunt for the top four, more so than us having dramatically improved. I, I honestly believe that. I think that we have improved. But I think there's more weight to the fact that Manchester United and Tottenham and, and West Ham at times have dropped points. All of those guys are, are, are sort of leaving the door open. That's what makes me mm. feel like we have a chance of finishing in the top four this season, more so than our actual progress. So now if we do miss out, I would be a hypocrite. And, and, I, and I don't believe that I would be fair in saying, well, a fifth place finish now is unacceptable off the back mm. of the way things went. Equally, though, while the opportunity and the chance of finishing in the top four is there, you've got to aim for it. But that doesn't mean that we should beat the club and the players and the manager and everybody over the head if we miss out on the top four narrowly, right? Challenging for yeah. it is still above and beyond what most people thought Arsenal could achieve this season. Yeah, and I think, look, any sort of situation can be can be skewed to, to fit your agenda. And... Um, I've seen some people suggesting on social media, if Arteta doesn't get top four, then he should be sacked. Well, I don't really think that's that's how it works. That's not really going to happen. Let's be honest. Um, it looks like the the Cronkies are absolutely behind Arteta and, and the Arteta project. Um, so first of all, that's unrealistic. But that's also unfair because if you were say, if you were one of these people that was saying it's really difficult to get into the top four, and then when you don't make it. Yes, the competition has has not been as good as you expected, but if you don't make it and then suddenly you want the manager sacked, it just it it doesn't really make much sense. Um, but I just do feel that I would still be even though I'm in the same boat as you, and I think that our target is top six. And you know, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to start calling for the manager's head if we if we don't if we don't get it. But I will be disappointed because at the end of the day, like when the opportunity is presents itself. It's down to to the to the team. It's down to the, to the manager. It's down to the club to to ensure that you make the very best of that opportunity. And 
we're here in this situation with a midfield that's light. It's one or two injuries away from from disaster, essentially, because we've we've seen what having having Party and Jacarau has done to us in recent weeks. It's not it's it's not really enough to to push us. And if if we suffer a few more injuries, then then we're screwed. Um, and then up front as well, we're just not we're not scoring enough goals at the moment. And those goals that we were relying on in in midfield, like Emil Smith Rowe, he's obviously been out injured or or not been playing. Martinelli's not been banging them in in recent weeks. So you're once again relying on young players and they're not consistent. So what you need to do in that in that situation is invest and get that top class striker or someone that's on the cusp of becoming top class to really, really push you forward. And I feel like if they don't do that, that's that's going to be a huge disappointment. And almost, I could ask you, like, if they don't sign a striker, considering how much that we've heard that they really wanted one, is that them almost saying, oh, well, like, we're content not finishing in, in the top four now? And they're almost kissing their chances goodbye because it does feel like that a bit. It does. But on the other hand, and, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier on when we were touching on Luka Jovic as a potential player to come in. Do you want to see Arsenal go out and essentially splash any resource that might have been otherwise put aside for the summer to bring in a player that they're not totally convinced on? Because I don't. Mm. You know, I think that over the recent years, we've we've done that too often. We've panicked. And we've gone and bought players that weren't fit for purpose and spent the the subsequent years then trying to move those guys on and having a problem doing so. So I think that, that there is a want for a striker between now and the end of the window. There is a need. There is a, a desperate need, in my opinion, to bring in a striker by that time. But what bringing in a striker that you don't necessarily feel is, is the complete mm. right fit does is it wastes resource. And in my opinion... It damages the project. And and I, I've said this time and time again, and I stick by this. I think that the idea was always that in the summer, we'd go out and go big on a striker. And only because of what's happened with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang have Arsenal accelerated those plans. And yes, you can accelerate them where possible, but it still doesn't mean that you can afford to be irresponsible in the transfer market. And where I feel like now... You know, we had a really good summer in terms of recruitment last season. I mm. think there's a real reluctance in Mikel Arteta and Edu to go out and bring players in that they don't believe are all in or or the right fit for this project. And that will frustrate fans because we'll look at the squad and we'll see it being thin. But we're a self-sustaining club. We were always going to go through this phase of being thin at some point to then um, to then start to rebuild the squad again. We We can't afford to have... 35, 36 first team sort of standard players in and around the club. It's just unsustainable. So we yeah. were going to have to go through this regardless. And I just desperately don't want to see Arsenal go out and say, here's 40 million pounds because we need to patch up this, this position for now. And then in mm. the summer, not be able to get the people that we really, really want or need. Yeah, I definitely don't think it should be a sort of botch job. I think that would be silly and that, as you say, it would sort of undermine everything they've been trying trying to do, essentially, from from doing these, you know, deals that have that have not really worked out, the the, the big money deals. I'm talking about Willian, I'm talking about Pepe. I think they want to avoid those those sorts of deals. Um, but I just think that there there needs to be some something, whether that's and we talk about 
like alternative options. And I think like I would I would trust the club if if it is true that they were looking into the, the likes of Isak and uh, Jonathan David and Calvert Lewin, which are some of the names that have been coming out. These are players that have been linked to us for for quite a while. So you think that if they if they're doing the due, ju- I can't speak now. Due, due diligence, diligence. <laughs> due diligence. Yeah, that's the one. Um, if they're doing that thing, um, then you would like trust them to, to to believe that they're the right player and the right profile. And when that sort of top target doesn't quite come through, that's sort of what happens. It's just a shame that it's sort of come out so publicly that we've really been wanting Vlaovic because maybe if it happened a bit more behind the scenes and we were sort of considering between a few options then signing someone like Isak and going for him wouldn't have seemed like a, a sort of rush and wouldn't have seemed like a huge deal or like a panic. Um, but yeah, I, I, I actually do agree with you. I think this sort of centre-forward, this long-term, young, expensive striker that we're after, it has to be done right. It, it has to be. You can't, you can't afford to botch it. You can't afford to get someone that you're sort of unsure about. But I would say if the club are happy and and fully convinced by the likes of Isak, then then they should put the money on the table and go and get him because the money that you could potentially make by getting in the in the Champions League will be huge and probably offset the difference in between what you'd have to pay in terms of premiums in January rather than what you have to pay in the summer. It's just that it just depends on high how high up their list he is. But I think if they can't do that sort of deal and they can't get the exact player that they want, I think they have to bring in a loan player. There, there has to yeah. be some sort of middle ground. So I know uh, Jonas was talking about about Jovic and you know uh, he's how how he sort of his ego and how it's not really worked out for him at Real Madrid. I think that is something to consider. But also on on the other hand, I think sometimes it, it's a risk worth taking. I think he is a player who's still young. He's he's twenty four. He, he's obviously got talent. I think players like that will want to prove a point. I can't imagine there are players out there sitting there at 24 years old and wanting to sit on the bench. I mean, I don't know. So sometimes it's it's worth taking that risk and you just hope it will turn out like like Odegaard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Let's take some of your questions from the live chat box. We'd love to hear from you guys as well, and we'll do our best to answer some of your questions. Uh, Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do hit that like button. There's over 350 of you watching us live right now across the multiple platforms. We've only got 86 likes on the stream. Let's get that up to at least 150. That should be more than achievable. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new for more Arsenal and football related content uh, as we uh, build up to the end of the transfer window. We'll be counting down the days and we'll be keeping you across all the big Arsenal news with some additional streams, extra streams coming up on transfer deadline day itself. Although hopefully we'd have done our business by then and uh, we don't have to uh, stress too much. But please do uh, show us your support. And if you'd like an opportunity to feature on our members podcast, you can do so by joining up. All you need to do is click on the link in the description, or if you're watching via your PC, you can click the join button below and uh, you can join us. Uh, so we'd love to have you get involved. Um, Mike, let's take, let's attack some of these questions, uh, I should say. Uh, Soul Checker, I'll take this one because it's Italian football related. It says, why do you think the Italian-based players are so reluctant to move to the Premier League? 
I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, here, or if you disagree, I think there's a massive snobbery among Premier League fans to other leagues. I think, obviously, the Premier League is where the money is. It's where the the, the coverage is. It's, it's the place to be commercially. But the Italian League has an incredible history, heritage. The clubs are huge, well-supported. Football is everything. It's just as important in Italy, if not more, than it is here. Um, and, and I think a lot of people that grow up outside of that Premier League bubble still appreciate that and still value that. And um, although, you know, in terms of where they are competing in Europe, they're not right at the top of their game. Having said that, they won the European Championships. Italy is still a, a, a glorious place to play football. Um, the lifestyle, everything is, is just top. And I think that we as Premier League fans sometimes look and say, well, why wouldn't you want to come here? But actually, there's a lot more to just the Premier League, isn't it? It's about the the, the lifestyle. There's so yeah. much to it, right? There's a lot more to life as well. I mean, if you compare somewhere like, I don't know, the Italian Riviera to like, to Hull. I mean, I'm not saying that Dusan Vlaovic was ever, you know, on the cards to go to Hull, but I'm just saying in, in terms of the landscape, I mean, like, where, where would you rather live? I mean, it's not even a question you'd ever have to ask someone. Um, so, of course, the, the sort of lifestyle comes comes into it. But I think for, for Vlahovic, there's there's a lot of value in in taking that move and um and not jump in to to too high i i think um because you look at what well, was talking about luka jovic he had a great season at frankfurt and then has gone to real madrid and it's it's not worked out i think sometimes these players need to take moves that are, that are steps up but not huge massive steps up and obviously he's he's playing well in the italian league so i almost think like why would you at the age of 21, go and get that big move where the pressure is, is going to be doubled. I just, I, I don't really, un, I don't really understand that, that sort of, you know, mindset, but in terms of Serie A, obviously you'll be able to tell me more, Harry, but it's, it's a lot slower, isn't it? Than, than the Premier League. You you get a lot more time. And for someone like Vlaovic, I think that suits his game because he, he doesn't seem like the most, you know, sort of, he doesn't seem like the sort of player that's, that's going to dribble past loads and, and sort of, you know, create chances for himself. So I think a slower game suits his style of play. Obviously, like draw comparisons to to Romelu Lukaku, he was absolutely smashing it at, at at Inter, like doing so so well. And then he's he's come back to play under Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea, and it's not quite working out. So you, you can draw them comparisons and and see how how really difficult the the Premier League is. Um, but of course, the lifestyle comes into it as well. Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, Sports Genius says, Harry, what do you think of going for Adama Traore? He changes the game and can create for our front line. He's, of course, been heavily linked with a move away from Wolves during this window to join that lot down the road. Uh, Mike, Adama mm. Traore, he's a player that has been talked about for years, but he's never got that big move for whatever reason. You know, since he left Barcelona, it's always kind of been, you know, people have, have wondered whether he can go back to kind of that highest level. Wonderful yeah. athlete, in my opinion. Not the greatest footballer in the world. What's your take on Adama Traore? And would you consider? I wasn't sure if you're going to say Spurs was the big move then. <laughs> nah, no chance. So that's yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say. Come yeah, on, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, yeah. I mean, I I've seen Spurs fans like absolutely so excited that they're signing, or they they look like they might sign Adama Traore in January. I I'm just not really sure. I'm I'm not really. 
convinced whether he's he's a winger or he's he's better as a wing back. I mean, he's he scored one goal for Wolves this season. Um, so you're not really you're not really signing him to score goals. He doesn't really get loads of assists. And I'm wondering, well, like what it what is it about him that you like? I think the the good thing about Trore is that he creates chaos and he can create space for other players because he's such a powerful runner and he technically he's actually quite good as well on the ball. Um so I, I reckon that would be the only reason you'd sign him. But for me, for Arsenal, he just doesn't fit what what we need. He's we are all about like technicians, I think, in this in this team, or that's what Arteta think wants. I think anyway. So I I nah, I, I don't really think it would work out. No, me neither. Uh, big hello to Karen Russell, who says, I'm getting increasingly worried that the Arsenal won't do any business in this window. What do you think? And can you give me any hope? Look, I don't know that anything is close. Um, you know, I'm not claiming to be in the know, but I am quite confident. I would say seven out of ten confident that we will get some business done between now and when the window slams shut on Monday. Mike, where are you on that kind of one to ten scale? Yeah, but that could be like a backup keeper so yeah it could be <laughs> you're not really you're not really pushing the boat out with that prediction so i think we've we've been linked with a, an american keeper as well haven't we yeah turner. so i mean that could yeah turner so i think that could be the business that we do and people will will cry but look i i think while it would be hugely disappointing if we if we don't sign an outfield player from from now until the end of the, the window i just maintain that January is such a difficult month to to do business because players clubs do not want to lose their best players in in the middle of the season. They have objectives as well. Even though we're looking at at the top four, those clubs that we're buying from will have objectives and they need their top players in order to reach them objectives. So if it doesn't happen, I'm I'm, I'm obviously not going to be happy, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry about it. Good stuff. Uh, let's say this one from Peter. I love these tactical questions. I love these. It makes me want to do a whole tactical video. Uh, he says, do you think Arteta's preference to playing 4-2-3-1 with Martin Erdegaard as the number 10 and then Laka as what looks like a false nine type, do you think that's hindering the team? I would argue no. Um, and the reason I would argue that is because actually, if you look at, let me see if I can get this up actually while we're talking about it. If you look at the positions that Martin Odegaard primarily takes up they're not central positions his starting position here this is a great you know this is great to be able to have this at your fingertips let me just share the screen for those of you watching on the video don't worry if you're listening on audio i will explain um but if you have a look at martin odegaard's heat map just here you will see that he predominantly picks up positions on the right hand side so what he does is he goes out there and he either doubles up with bukayo saka or with Lacazette dropping that bit deeper and Odegaard pulling out to the right, it means that Saka can drift slightly in field and get closer to the penalty area. So I actually think they they really complement each other well. I think the, the drawback to that is that at times we'll work the ball into the middle of the penalty area and there won't be anybody there mm. because Lacazette, despite Odegaard being in a slightly deeper role, uh, is still looking to drop into that hole as well. So I think that's the drawback of it. But I don't necessarily think it's a negative. I just think it's a characteristic of the way we play. What's your take on that, Mike? Well, I'm, I'm not going to answer it anywhere, anywhere as well as you. But um, yeah, I think that that Odegaard dropping into that position is basically what we need because we don't have the sort of midfielders 
behind him that that are operating in that in that role where they're going to play people into space and and create chances and we, we need him to drop into that deeper position and and to that position on the right or on the left or wherever it is in order to do that um and obviously as well i think that the reason why he does that predominantly on the right is because kieran tierney is is a big outlet on the left so while tommy Asu stays back as as right back kieran tierney you know creates a lot of chances on on the left hand side whether they're good crosses or not that's that's you know not odegaard's issue basically but um yeah i think that's there's definitely a tactical ploy i think the sort of problem that we have is that Lacazette is tasked. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it would be similar to a false nine role because a lot of his game is sort of link up play. Um, but the the issue that we have is that the players that he's linking up to are all young players. Who's who's been scoring our, our goals in recent months? It's been Martinelli, it's been Smith Rowe, it's been Saka. And when those players aren't on form, or when they've when they've hit a bit of a wall, or whatever the the reason maybe they're not on song that particular day we don't score so i don't really think that's actually the fault of the system or that's the fault of the players uh odegaard and lacazette i just think it's where we are at the moment what you really want is that player who can do both uh in that center forward role and i just don't think lacazette's quite quite the guy for that which is why we're so desperate for a striker Completely agree. Uh, let's take this one finally from Wesbird. Do you feel that the club will now hold fire on a midfielder until the summer and we'll just try getting a striker? But if we don't sign a striker, will we still make the top six? So I expect the priority now will be a centre forward. But there are, uh, you know, there are reports doing the rounds today that there is um, still interest in a couple of midfield players. Bruno Gimaraj being mentioned Genie Wijnaldum being mentioned as well. Um, I just think that the sensible thing to do is, given the fact that Partey, Xhaka, Elneny will all be back by the time we're next in Premier League action, um, and and obviously Lekonga's an option, I think the sensible thing to do would be to focus our energy on bringing in a forward. I think that's the greater need now. You could argue at the start of January we needed a midfielder, but we've gone through the worst of it now. So yeah. why bring in a stopgap who's maybe not um up to the level uh if we don't get a strike i still think we can finish in the top six not sure we can finish in the top four though would be my answer uh just going to take this final one uh super chat from joe kerr thank you so so much mate if you're wondering why i keep glancing to the right i've got the african nations match between senegal and cape verde on and uh, it's all popping off <laughs> which is why i keep glancing over to the right so i do apologize but joe says is hoping with eddie lacquer and pepe and Oba, better long-term business than trying Juve for Melo and Devan K on loan? Is that Kul- Dejan Kulusevsky, I think? Kulusevsky, I think. Yeah. Um, um, go question. on, I'll let you take this one, Mike. Um, better, is it better long-term business? Um, well, I'm not sure about, about long-term business because Eddie and Lacazette are out of contract in the summer, so we don't know what's going to happen with them. Aubameyang's future is, looks uncertain as well. Um, so I think ultimately you, you have to, if you do harbour ambitions of getting into that top four, you need to you need to bolster the squad. And I think because Aubameyang, I'm I'm not sure if he's gonna if he's gonna play anytime soon. You need to bring in cover for that position, which is why we're talking about striker Melo and Kulusevski. I'm not I'm not 100 sure. I think Artur could be could be a decent sort of signing. But as Harry says, 
the sort of need for a for a stopgap midfielder was in January. So to bring him in now maybe doesn't make much sense. I still think we could do with an extra number in there. Um, but you'd want it to be someone who would like who would be challenging for a first team spot. Otherwise, there's literally no point getting them. So so yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, no, good stuff. Uh, right, we are going to leave it there. Uh, we've been going for nearly an hour now. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your interaction. And thank you for staying with us. Uh, really good numbers on the live stream again, which is fantastic. But we're still 30-odd likes away from hitting that 150 target. So let's do that. Uh, let's try and get there between now and uh, the end of the outro. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. As always, let people know how they can follow you and keep up to date with you on social media. Yeah, it's on uh, Twitter is probably the best place. I post links to my articles and uh, general musings about Arsenal. Um, mostly most mostly when they win. Uh, when when they lose, I sort of get a bit like angry and like tend to switch Twitter off for a while. Um, yeah, I just so, yeah. I'm just yeah. So not so not good for us in the month of January where we didn't win a game. But usually it's uh, it, it's good. So yeah, at Mike underscore Stabber is where you can find me. Brilliant stuff. Make sure you give him a follow. Make sure you give Jonas Yeva a follow as well. Uh, our brilliant guest at the start of the show to give us the download on those La Liga based uh, transfer targets or rumoured transfer targets. Please do check Jonas out as well on social media. We'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal related content. Until next time, take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.